0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off.
1: Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to
0: get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian.
1: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. I'm Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer and I'm passionate about teaching business professionals like you the keys to negotiation and persuasion. This podcast is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, where we offer live negotiation trainings, business consulting, and one-on-one coaching for professionals that want to learn how to communicate more confidently and persuasively. From now until the end of the summer, we're offering all listeners one free coaching session with me. And if you're interested, go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash coaching or click the link in the description below. Our guest today is Tiffany Sutherland. Tiffany is a lawyer by training and a change agent at heart. She's been a featured TEDx speaker and is the founder of Four Corners Coaching, where she puts on workshops and offers training programs for her clients. Tiffany works with students and rising professionals on owning their stories, understanding their strengths, and leveraging life experiences as they pursue more fulfilling careers and lives. She also hosts How Does She Do It?, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspectives on personal and professional development. And uh, this is a really great podcast. Uh, Tiffany has been a mentor to me, almost like a big sister in podcasting. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. Lastly, before we jump into the interview, I want to let you know that she's putting on a course called Work With Purpose. Work With Purpose is a three-month group coaching experience for people committed to getting clarity about their careers, taking tangible actions, and growing as whole people. If you are interested, make sure you either check out the link in the description or go to her website. Tiffany's told me a little bit about the program, and it is a phenomenal program. So if you are interested, if any of this sounds interesting to you, make sure you check out her website. This was a really, really fun interview and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Tiffany, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Kwame. How's it going?
1: Things are fantastic. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: Professionally speaking, I am a lawyer by training, but currently don't practice full-time, but work as a recruiter at uh, at a law firm. And I also am a career coach. And um, I am a podcaster as well. I have a podcast called How Does She Do It? And I love Haribo gummy bears. So those are just a few things about myself. <laughs> so many other things, but I think those are some of the very important things that I like to to say about about myself.
1: And I'll add uh, a couple other facts too. Um, so I have two interns that, that work for me and they're at uh, OSU's law school. And so when I was interviewing them, I asked them, hey, have you checked out my podcast? Have you listened? They're like, oh, no, I haven't heard it. I was like, well, which podcast do you listen to? They're like, Tiffany Sutherland's podcast. No way. No <laughs> yes. way. That so, is awesome. Uh, so I have a legit famous person. I'm just trying to get on your
0: level. Well, I appreciate that. And um, shout out to your interns who I'm sure now listen to your podcast, your great podcast. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're all, pre- we're all spreading the wealth and information here.
1: Yeah. So you said you were, you are a lawyer, but you Mm -hmm. got into recruiting. Why'd you do that?
0: So I made the transition when I, so I was working at, um, actually the same firm that I work at now, but I was, um, practicing products liability law. And there, I just realized that there was a different way that I wanted to interact or with, with people and, challenges that they were having and I became interested in kind of the professional development of individuals and so before I made my transitioned from, before I came into my current role as a uh, as a professional recruitment manager, I worked in admissions at a law school. And in that role, I was able to kind of see the beginning of a lawyer's journey, if you will. So getting people from the prospective student process all the way through to, to the admissions process, and then being able to see people graduate from law school and start their careers, and then came into uh, the role as a, in working in recruiting to be able to bring people into the law firm as attorneys and really just watch them, see them develop and see how we match. Uh, organizational needs with the skills and interests of the individuals who we look to, who are looking to hire to fulfill those practice group needs. And uh, it's been a great journey so far and And everything is kind of built on the last thing that I've done to kind of build this um, nicely arced career, if you will, um, which I don't take credit for because I think everything is aligned by God, but I show up when I can.
1: Very cool. And yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting professional art too, because you had a you, you have a master in social work, right?
0: I do. I do. I have a master's in social work, and I studied clinical social work. So I was training to be a therapist And uh, while I was in my master's program. But at the same time, I actually started the master's program really as a way to go between um, my undergraduate and law school because my undergraduate grades and situation was not going to get me admitted to law school so that was the initial um kind of reason why i went to the master's program but then i learned so much about human development and humans Uh, I said humans, people's uh, kind of interaction with systems and the way that their upbringing impacts their access to certain kinds of networks and uh, challenges that they face and their resilience and all this kind of stuff. And it was just one of the most uh, important academic and personal experiences that I've had uh, was being in that master's program. Wow.
1: That is fascinating. That's deep. And so now I'm seeing how all of this ties in from law to now doing career coaching.
0: Yes, yes. So I like to say that it does tie in. And I think because when when you think about how we show up at work every day, we don't come to work just as people who come to work we come to people we come to work as whole people and we bring in our values we bring in our strengths we bring in the challenges that life has thrown at us in a lot of different ways and they, they don't all show up at one time in every given situation but the way that i try to look at my own career development as well as the career development of my clients is to think about who we are as whole people. And then how do we then want to show up in the work that we do every day as those whole people? But the challenge is that most of us or a lot of people are not clear on who they on who they are as whole people. They haven't worked through some of the challenges that they have personally that may inhibit or drive some of their career motivation or uh, or some of the fears that they have or some of the insecurities that they have. And so those things... Whether we believe it or not, or whether we pay attention to it or not, often show up in our in our work and um, in the and sometimes in our career choices and our career paths or limitations. And uh, I don't know exactly how I got onto that tangent, but I'll stop there. And
1: oh. <laughs> um, one of one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show was to talk about how people can. Um, take more of a controlling role when it comes to shaping their careers. So why do you think it's important to try and seek new responsibilities at work?
0: It's important to seek new responsibilities at work because when you start any job, you usually start a job with a job description. And that job description may or may not encompass many or most of the things that you do kind of on a regular basis. But if you are looking to grow in your career, eventually the things that were included in that job description or the things that you that are not included in that job description that you still find yourself doing every day, you will if you're if I believe if you're doing it right, you will outgrow some of those responsibilities. And so if you only do what has been given to you, what is asked of you, then you will stay where you are unless you try to position yourself for new responsibilities and new opportunities within your organization in a variety of ways.
1: Yeah, uh, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the interesting things that, about this point is the fact that it's self-directed. It's it's coming from you. It's not coming from management. And I think the the negotiation angle here is that um, a lot of times we want more responsibilities. We want to move forward. We want to make changes in our career, but we wait for our managers to kind of get the point and, and put us on the right path. And so that's where the negotiation comes in. How do we position ourselves better to to have those new roles?
0: Well, I think in the same way that I, hopefully you would agree with this as a negotiation expert, that you have to know the information that you're working with, right? So you have to do your research. So in any traditional negotiation, you don't go into the room without knowing the lay of the land, without knowing the, the, the needs of the, of the person on the other side, what they're looking for, what they're after. So as you, as a, as a professional individual, you have to say, okay, I know the role that I have. I, I, have to know what am I trying to gain? How am I trying to grow? What skills am I trying to to develop? And what are the needs of my organization? What are the needs of my department? What are the needs of my direct manager? And how do the things that I want to increase or change about my role align with the needs of my direct report, my direct manager, my organization, my department, my team You have to know what you are after before you can even begin this journey of um, of trying to increase your responsibility. So that kind of leads you to a, a different initial process, which is taking time to think about what do you actually want for your career, which so many people don't take the time to do. They get in a job and they kind of just. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life transforming healthcare technology. From artificial intelligence to robotics and beyond, health tech is reinventing what's possible. Every year, Medtronic improves the lives of 74 million people. And we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more work it every day and look up. And as you mentioned, now the time period is two, three, four years. And it's like, wait, where am I? What is next? And I have never thought about that before.
1: Right. And you brought up a really great point because in in any negotiation, a lot of times we think we know what we want, but we really don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you don't take the time to not only research, but the other side, but also research yourself, your own interests, understanding your why, um, your strategy might be askew and you won't even recognize it.
0: Exactly. And I think the way that a quick answer or kind of quick way to think about it is thinking about, you want to reverse engineer the process. So in a negotiation, if you think about what you you have to know what your end goal is. And in order to know know what your end, once you know what your end goal is, then you can then say, okay, well, what are the things that I need to do to get to that place? But the only way you can figure out what your end end goal is, is if you've actually taken time to say, well, here's the kind of professional that I am today. And I think I like this kind of, industry I think I like these skill sets I think I like these kinds of roles so now let me see here's what my what my strengths are here's why I need to improve and here's kind of the, the direction that I, I think I want to drive my career in now you have that end goal in mind and now you can say okay well what do I need to do to get me to that place?
1: So now at this point we have a good understanding of our own interests we understand our end goal how do we find the interests of our manager and our organization?
0: Have conversations. So I think most organizations do a, at least a yearly review, right? Um, or sometimes people do, they do they do, um, quarterly, they may do six months. You have, but if you have a, if you are not the CEO of an organization, there's, that means you're probably reporting to someone. If you're reporting to someone, that means you should be in fairly regular contact with that person if via email or, you know, being able to pop into their office. So have a conversation, sit down with your boss and say, Hey, you know, what are some of the things that big picture that I might not be aware of based on the daily responsibilities of my job that, you are working on. What are some of the goals that we need to that that are the strategy that is involved in the work that you're doing every day? Is there a way that I can enhance that? Is there a way that anything that I'm doing now is or is not advancing that opportun that uh, those kind of goals and and responsibilities? And you just have to have conversations and ask questions and not necessarily asking questions to immediately then say, well, here's what I want. But you're asking questions to see to figure out how can you add value to the to the needs and to the, the the teams and the people that you're working with, so that they can then want to kind of repay you for the value that you added, so to speak, in 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 different ways.
1: Absolutely, and what we're seeing here is that. Our career, and if we're not in career professionals, maybe we're entrepreneurs, regardless of what the situation is, um, we're seeing that negotiation is like a never-ending game of chess. A lot of times the problems begin with our perspective of negotiation because we have an idea that there is a beginning and end to a negotiation. We sit down at the proverbial negotiation table and then we have that one conversation and nail it. Mm. But what you're saying is we need to take the time to frame these discussions over the course of months or even years. And then when we do make that ask, it'll make it a lot easier.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So when you have these conversations, what is, what's your typical approach So let's say you're going to meet with your manager. How would you prep for that meeting beforehand?
0: I would prep for the meeting to try and answer, try and get as much information about the work that my, uh, that, you know, your direct report, or I keep, I'm using this terminology wrong, but the person that you report to the work that they are doing, the projects that they are working on, uh, thinking about the organization as a whole, are there shifts that are happening in management or leadership is the industry what's happening in the industry at the moment. And so you want to arm yourself with as much information as possible before you, before you go into have this conversation, because you want to be able to anticipate some of the things that are going to be said in the conversation. That not to say that you're going to try and finish people's sentences or be able to know exactly how things are going to go, but you don't want to be caught off guard. If someone mentions a big, like news story that happened and you weren't aware of it, right? Because you want to look informed, you want to be informed. So the first thing you'd want to do is just be, is be informed, do your research, know what's happening in, in your organization, know what's happening with your manager or your supervisor, and then, um, and then begin to, to just to ask questions. Again, how can I contribute? Is there something that I am doing now that needs to be enhanced or improved in order to get you to where you want to be?
1: And, and let's say we've done the legwork, we've done the research, we've had a few conversations, we have a good understanding of what they want and what we want. How do you know when it's the right time to make the ask
0: you, well, you know it when it's not the right time to ask when you know that there are like budget concerns or people are getting like laid off. Right. So you want that. And I don't say that to, to take to make that light of that. But you have to observe what is happening in the environment, because if you know that, for example, it is crunch time and there are five projects due on, you know, in two weeks, maybe right now talking about your you know your desire to change your title or increase your responsibilities it might not be the best time because there's not room on your manager's plate to navigate that conversation right now so you want to just be mindful of of the of kind of what is happening in the environment i think a great time a natural time to do this is in those evaluation conversations because usually when evaluations happen there is both a self assessment and then there's also an assessment that's made by your manager so if you are completing a self assessment that is the perfect non-threatening you don't even have to have a verbal conversation about it yet that is an opportunity where you type up some words on a screen that you've already thought about in advance and you put it out there to your manager and you don't have to have a face-to-face conversation about it yet and that's laying the 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 framework so i say all that to say the optimal time may be when you are completing those self-assessment type of conversations if you're not yet ready to have that face to face conversation with someone
1: that's a great point. Yeah, whenever natural opportunities to negotiate come about, I think that's a perfect time to do it because it it makes it less pressure on, on either side. It's like, okay, yeah, we're definitely going to have this conversation anyways. Might as well bring it up. So the person is ready. Otherwise, if you say, hey, I'd like to talk about my roles and responsibilities mid-year, it's like, oh, that might why? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that's a good point. And what you said earlier was pretty deep, knowing when not to do it. I think that's, that's almost even more important because they're unlike the, the evaluation times, that's, that's pretty obvious. Most of the times when it comes to negotiation in general, it's not abundantly clear when it should start. Mm. But understanding clearly when not to do it can give you a lot of insight uh, for when to have the conversation.
0: Exactly. And that just comes from being self-aware and being observant and perceptive because you don't want to in the same way that if you see two people that, you know, having a very heated conversation, now might not be the best time to try and interject into that conversation and bring up something that's completely unrelated. So in the same way at work, if you know that there's chaos, if you know that there's some upheaval happening, if you know that things are, that might be a signal, number one, that it might be time for you to consider working in that organization altogether. But you don't want to create, like you mentioned, an already, an an additional stressor in a, in a time where there may not need to be a stressor because there is an opportunity to, to have that conversation in a more natural way in a natural progression.
1: Absolutely. How would you connect this um, this search for responsibilities, increased responsibilities uh, to salary?
0: That is, is a complicated question because you increased responsibility, and role changing is sometimes in exchange for the inability to get a raise in salary. So what I mean by that is if you are valuable to an organization and you know that your work is good, you have very good rapport, people respect you, your colleagues respect you, you have a great team kind of environment, but you know that there are financial constraints that are greatly limiting the kind of financial increase that might happen on a year to year basis. One way that you can be compensated is to have your role expanded so that when you are building your career portfolio, you may not have gotten an additional five or $10,000 in your salary, but you've now taken on more responsibility that will then position you for another opportunity to increase your salary, maybe in another company or maybe in your internal company, once your, once the, the budget kind of situation resolves itself.
1: So then would you in that conversation or at some point say, Hey, I increase responsibility. I'm not going to ask for salary, increase salary because I understand we have budgetary concerns, but once those um, there's a little bit more wiggle room, I'd like to have a conversation. Do we frame it that way?
0: You can, I, you definitely can. And I think that what you can do, because what you want to do is, and in, in my own experience, when I, and this is something that I have done myself, when I was adjusting uh, my title to include formal responsibilities related to diversity and inclusion when I was working at a law school, what I did was I did market research. I said, what are people at other institutions who are making this salary? being paid for this kind of work and to the extent that you can put that together. And so then you bring that back to your current organization and look at the salary structure and say, okay, if I am doing these responsibilities based on the things that are happening here, here's what I think my salary could be. So you can propose it on the front end, And then also be willing to say, I know that this may not be the best time for us. I may not actually be able to get a salary increase at this time, but can we revisit this conversation in three months, six months, nine months? And so that way you're not placing the expectation that you're expecting this increase in salary today or whenever you get the title change, but it is on the mind of the manager that you are expecting that this increasing responsibility can also come with and should also come with an increase in salary.
1: That's brilliant. And I'm sure approaching it that way kind of takes, like I said before, it takes pressure off of the superior. They don't feel like you're strong arming them and also (laughs) strengthens the relationship, which puts you in a better position for the next conversation.
0: Exactly. And, and I, and I, like I said, I've done this myself and I remember when I asked for, and I think about now the salary that I asked for in what, and now what I understand about the way salary structure works in higher education and recognize why the salary that I asked for was not inappropriate but it was it just did not make sense within the structure but it was something that i did not necessarily understand going into that conversation and thankfully i had an excellent manager who handled the conversation very gracefully and didn't make me feel foolish for going in there with that high ask but I, it then informed me to say, okay, well, now I have a better understanding about how to approach this conversation next time. It was not, he did not shut the door completely on the conversation. It was something that he said, we will revisit this at... At X point X Y Z date, he stuck to his word. I knew that that conversation was coming, and so that made me more motivated even to be the do the things that I that I'd asked for and do them so well, so that in the event that there was room for this this salary increase to happen, that I would have a strong case for the value add that I brought to to justify an increase in my salary.
1: I like that story for two main reasons. And so the first reason is now hearing what you said earlier in the conversation compared to this uh, this story that you just told, I'm assuming now given your your understanding of the, the structure and how you typically research before the conversation, if you were to have this conversation now, you would probably be more prepared and have a better understanding of the organization. Absolutely. So you would go in more prepared. And then the second thing that I think is even more important is the fact that you went into the conversation, you had an ask that was aggressive but reasonable, and you were rejected, and you still have a good relationship with your boss, You're still working there and still moving forward in the company, and you got information from that. So there's certain kinds of information that you cannot get outside of the negotiation. Sometimes you need to go in, ask, get rejected, and people don't understand that rejection is information.
0: Absolutely. And the, and the thing is, is that it wasn't a whole, a complete rejection. It was only a rejection on one thing that I asked for. The other thing that I asked for was an increase in my, my, um, was a a change in my job responsibility and a title change. So I won. I still won on like the large percentage, because I knew going in that it was a long shot that I was going to get this salary increase that I asked for. I knew it was a long shot. I wasn't expecting to get the number that I asked for, I, and I was prepared to not get anything. But what I knew that I was going to get, I had a high likelihood of getting that, salar- that title change and getting that job responsibility change, which aligned for me directly with where I saw my career going in the future. So I walked, out, I walked out of there with what I needed in order to move my career forward. Because the salary would move my salary forward, but to move my career forward, the job responsibility change, the title change, is really what got me that, got me that, that career momentum that I was looking for.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. I've, you're the first person on the show that has made that distinction between increasing salary versus advancing your career. Usually those are tied together and seen as the same thing, but uh, that's that is a brilliant nuance to see to be able to distinguish between the two.
0: Oh yeah, and I think that thank you for for making that observation because I think that the part of the challenge and part of the reason why those things are always so tied together is because in our society we tie a dollar sign to value like we meet we make value mean money when in real, when that that's not always the case especially in instances where there the there's not an opportunity to get that actual dollar sign so what are other ways that I can get that value that I'm looking for what are other ways that I can get that win and in in career development sometimes you have to take a proverbial step back before you can take a step forward. So you might have to, for example, which which is my career story, I went from being an attorney at a law firm making a very good six-figure salary to having to take close to a a very, like a 60% pay cut in order to move my career in a direction that I wanted it to go in. So while I lost financial value, so to speak, I gained lifestyle value. I could, in the summer times, I was getting off at 12 o'clock. Like I had, I wasn't billing hours, right? And so, and and for the career trajectory that I was trying to go in, those were the value adds that I was looking for, for my own career development.
1: Right. And now it gives you time to build your business as well. Right. Brilliant. You are the architect of your own <laughs> career. And, Listen, that is true. That is true. And and the cool thing about this, this brings it full circle because at the beginning you were talking about how important it is to have a clear understanding of what you want, why you want it, and, and who you are. And somebody who doesn't understand that distinction between career advancement and in, increased salary would just kind of go in there blending the two and say, I need more money. Okay, that'll be in more time. So now instead of working 70 hours a week, now Tiff South is working 90 hours a week. Is that really what you want? <laughs> right,
0: right, exactly. And that's one of the things that I do with my clients is really ask them Like, make sure that they are getting very clear about the things that they are actually looking for. Because if your job search, if your career transition is just about money, that's one conversation. Because there are a lot of jobs that you can do that will make you a whole bunch of money. But is that going to make you happy? Is that going to further the the goals that you have? Is that going to create the impact on your own life and on other people that you are trying to have in this world? So if if your goal is making a whole bunch of money, we can put you in finance we can send you to you know to medical school which will take you nine years to make that money but you will definitely make that money and you will also work you know to the bone to earn that money but is is the alternative well are you willing to take a little bit less money to get the lifestyle that you're looking for to get the to have the impact directly on the people that you work with and work for uh in the way that you're looking to have it like so there are a lot of different ways to to measure value um and when you're thinking about how to to grow your career
1: Before we finish up this episode, I have a few questions for you. Does your job do professional development training? Are you looking for a workshop for your next conference? Does your profession require effective communication or dispute resolution? If so, a negotiation training seminar might be what you need. I've had the opportunity to do these trainings around the country, and I'd love to swing by your neck of the woods. Our customized negotiation seminars are as fun as they are informative. You'll not only discover the keys to negotiation and persuasion, you'll also have the opportunity to practice these skills in a safe environment with a negotiation simulation. And at the end of the seminar, you'll be able to communicate confidently, resolve disputes effectively, and get what you want out of your next negotiation. And as an added bonus, if you let us know far enough in advance... We we can get these trainings certified for continuing education credits feel free to connect with me on linkedin or shoot me an email to learn more now let's get back to the show this conversation has solidified the fact that you need to come back on the show (laughs) i love it because I'm, i'm realizing there is some depth that we need to that we have not touched yet that we still need to go go to but before you go um if you could challenge our audience to do one thing in the next week to become a better negotiator what would it be?
0: Know yourself and know what your goals are Um, because I think that you cannot know how to approach a negotiation of any form and and I really think of negotiation as as self advocacy right whether you're advocating for your own career development or whether you're advocating for the the client that you are negotiating on behalf of or anything it is a it is advocacy and if you don't know what your goals are then you cannot advocate from a from a strong position and um and we can again I think I, I would love to come back to talk a little bit more about what that what that process looks like because that is where people i think are they're afraid to do that work because knowing your goals means having to dig through some of the stuff that's painful, having to dig through some of the stuff that, the insecurities, as well as acknowledge things that are strengths of yours that you might not even recognize. So uh, know yourself and be willing to do that work to, to find out what your goals are and what your story is.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really, really good.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're finding this information helpful, please remember to leave a review and subscribe. Our goal is to teach this to as many people as possible. And every time you leave a review, it makes it easier for people to find us in the search engines. With your support and listenership, we've grown to the point where we are now the number one ranked negotiation podcast. And we have listeners in 140 different countries. We appreciate your continued support and please continue to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Remember, everybody who connects with me gets a personal message from me eventually. It takes time because uh, more and more people have been reaching out, but I want to hear from you and we actually get to chat. So continue to reach out. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you in the next one.